everyone. Welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today we are going to talk about mental skills training to maximize performance. That's kind of a mouthful, isn't it? But I have Brian Price back with us today. He's my guest who is on talking about imposter syndrome. Brian owns a company called Top Mental Game. So right there, it tells you why I chose Brian to talk about mental skills training. So we are going to talk about those self-doubts that get in the way of performance and how they hold us back. And Brian's going to teach us a little bit about visualization and imagery. We're going to talk about self-talk and we are going to talk about a growth mindset. So welcome, Dr. Brian Price. If you would introduce yourself and tell us all the accolades that I miss saying about you. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Angie. Great to be back on with you again. uh, Brian Price. uh, I am a retired lieutenant colonel uh, from the U.S. Army, spent 20 years uh, of service, uh, PhD from Stanford and taught at West Point for a while before uh, starting my own business called Top Metal Game, where I get a chance to work with fantastic uh, both leaders and, and business folks and athletes and coaches on the mental game. So really excited to be here. All right. I think it was like a mic drop with all those accolades and credentials <laughs> right there. Okay. I'm in awe. So Brian, let's, let's deep dive. You were on a couple of weeks ago where we talked about overcoming imposter syndrome. And I'll tell you what, I got a lot of response from that. I posted a couple of things on Instagram, a couple of little sound bites that Eric, our producer had sent me in and just, there was just like this collective sigh of relief, like, oh my gosh, it's not just me. Imposter syndrome impacts all of us, meaning other people were thinking that other people were saying, thank you. Thank you for bringing imposter syndrome to the light. Thank you for letting me know that I'm not in this dark room in my head all by myself, because it really is kind of pervasive across uh, lots and lots of different realms. um, And it impacts a lot of people. So if you would um, go ahead and let's talk about imposter syndrome and self-doubt, how those correlate and give us a little recap. What is imposter syndrome? And tell us about other quote, self-imposed limits. Yeah, sure. So I think one of the reasons why uh, people reached out to you is because this is a topic that actually hits home. And for those of you that uh, were not listening to that show, I think it's a great show. So go ahead and do that. But imposter syndrome is simply that feeling that you are not enough, uh, that you're, you don't belong, that you're not responsible for your own successes, uh, and essentially that you're a fraud and could be found out. And one of the reasons why I think it's so pervasive and people uh, maybe resonated with it is because 70% of the population uh, suffers from imposter syndrome at some point or another, um, and it disproportionately affects both uh, women, but also high achievers. And I imagine that there's a large portion of your audience uh, that is uh, one or both of those. You know what? I would imagine so. I think that there are a lot of high achievers out there in the fitness space. I think that there are also a lot of people who err toward perfectionism, especially because I think inherently the fitness space, whether it's advertent or inadvertently, kind of um, reinforces that concept of perfect bodies, perfect form, perfect everything. And so it gets in our head that fitness is about body shape and size and that everything that we do, we have to be aware of that. But um, so I thought that you did a great job in talking about imposter syndrome. If you missed that episode, I hope that you tune in and check that out because it was really, really good. But let's talk about other self-imposed limits besides imposter syndrome. What else do you see? Because I know, Brian, you don't just work with fit pros. You work with athletes, leaders, CEOs, um, business owners. And I think this this would be a great thing. What other self-doubts are you seeing? 
Yeah, so I think um, regardless of what profession you're talking about, and you definitely see this in the athletic world, and there's we can talk about some of the reasons why uh, this takes place, is it's anything that is preventing you from performing at your best. Um, and oftentimes these self-imposed limitations, uh, this self-doubt leads you to, to not act. And whether you're you know either starting a business or looking to expand your business, whether you're looking to change careers, it's those self-doubts that kind of hold you back from performing at your best or in its worst case of even acting at all. Um, and so I, I, I guarantee that you see that a lot with your audience in terms of folks that are uh, wanting to enter, enter into the, the fit pro business, uh, but maybe think that they can't or, or won't. And they listen to those, you know, those lesser angels sitting on our shoulders telling us they can't do those things. You mentioned perfectionism. Um, and I imagine that uh, particularly in the fit industry, in the fitness industry, you see a lot of folks that uh, are aiming for perfection. And when they look in the mirror, they are you know, constantly disappointed when you or I would look at them and say, these people are you know, some of the most uh, fittest people on the planet. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is, you know, that old saying of um, you only know what you know. Well, I think that sometimes what I see with imposter syndrome or perfectionism is there is this leaning toward what I don't know versus what I do know. So it's this leaning toward what are my limitations versus what are my strengths. And, and I know I tell people all the time, you know, we don't know what we don't know. And that's true, but that can go too far to where you're so focused on your limitations and what you don't know that you forget how much you do and how much you absolutely have to offer with where you're at right now. It doesn't mean that you can't grow. It doesn't mean that you can't learn more, but what about where you are now? What can you do with the skills and the tools that you have now? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the kind of best tips and techniques that we, we broached a little bit last week in terms of how to how to deal with this sort of thing. And by the way, Angie, you hit the nail on the head. Uncertainty is the driver of that anxiety and how we cope with that anxiety oftentimes leads to inaction. So, you know, one of the three tips we talked about last week in terms of how to cope with this sort of thing. One is acknowledge it. Right. Let, let's be upfront and um, recognize it, be aware of it and acknowledge it. Two is, you know, be conscious of your self-talk. And I know that's a topic we're going to kind of go into a lot later. But three, you know, the antidote that we talked about last week for imposter syndrome, the antidote to imposter syndrome and that anxiety is action. So what are those different ways that you can, uh, tips and techniques that you can break through that anxiety so that you can actually act? I love that. And I love that recap because I think that's true. You know, you have to acknowledge it. Like I said last week, you have to claim it to tame it. And then you have to, we'll talk about the self-talk, but then as far as the action, I think that's where a good coach comes in. And I think Brian, that's probably how you found your career, right? Is because top mental skill or top mental game is about coaching people to action because sometimes we need that little driver. We need somebody kicking us in the tush and saying, you can do this. So um, tell me though, when we say mental skills training, I'm sure that there are um, thousands of, of, of um, personal trainers out there, probably millions watching us right now. And they're all wondering, well, define mental skills training because there's kind of some broad parameters. So how do you define mental skills training? Yeah, so when we talk about um, you know professions that have physical performance in them, you can train your body, and your audience is very well versed in that. You can train your craft or your profession, like if you're a Zumba teacher or you specialize in hit or those sorts of things. But then there's the mental component, and when I think about mental skills training, I also like to kind of use the terminology of also mental performance 
conditioning. I think this is going to resonate a little bit with your audience because one is it's not just about physical skills. Like you wouldn't just say, what are you doing today? We're doing physical skills training. No, we're talking about performance, physical performance. In this case, we're talking about the mental side. But I like the terminology conditioning sometimes in place of training, because think about it. This is something that you can't just do once. You wouldn't uh, be advising someone on their physical fitness and say that you, it's a sometimes thing. No, it's a lifestyle. It's an all the time thing. And so I think the conditioning means that you have to not just do it once or twice. It's a process. All encompassing, I think the definition that I would use is these are the skills that are going to help you perform at your best, regardless of the circumstances. Do you have the knowledge? Do you have the ability? And do you have the discipline to do those things, you know, in order for you to perform at your best, regardless of the circumstances? So I think that's how I would kind of encapsulate it. Oh, I love that. I want I want a plaque that says that. Do you have the knowledge, the ability, and the discipline to be able to achieve what you want to achieve? And I think that so many of us, you know, where we might doubt the knowledge, um, but we have the ability, um, but then there's the discipline part. I love that. It's a th it's a trifecta of helping us get where we want to be. And that is mental performance training. You're right. It's a lifetime. It's whether we want to go to school or whether we're training at the gym, it's whatever we're doing. We need that, that trifecta. So you and I are going to talk about that mental skills training. And, and in the description, we talked about how today we're going to deep dive into visualization and imagery. We're going to talk about self-talk and we are going to talk about a growth mindset. So let's start with visualization, bleh, visualization and imagery. <laughs> and I want to reintroduce you. I'm talking to Dr. Brian Price. He is the owner of Top Mental Game. And Brian has all these other accolades. He is an experienced, um, experienced coach in helping people get out of their head and get into action. That's how I would describe it. <laughs> so let's start with visualization and imagery. Um, tell us about that. How do you use that? Yeah, so this is one of those that was introduced to me back in the 1990s, but you know, it took a little time for uh, for for this to, I guess, become more mainstream. And I imagine that there's uh, a lot of the folks that are listening to this podcast that are already incorporating this. Visualization is a performance enhancement tool, and the reason why people like it is because a <laughs> it works, but b you can do it anywhere, anytime. And so it's a, it's a great skill that I try to uh, teach my athletes. So what is it? First off, it's a tool to optimize your performance. You, the mind has sometimes difficulty differentiating fantasy from reality. And for a quick example of, of that is if you've ever been woken up by a nightmare, right? Where you've been woken up out of a, you know, a deep sleep. And what is your body doing at that moment? Maybe you dreamt you fell off a cliff or being chased by somebody. Well, when you wake up out of that sleep, your heart is racing. You might be sweating. You might be out of breath. And yet you're in the comfy confines of your bed. So if our mind has sometimes difficulty differentiating fantasy from reality, well, we're going to use this to our, our advantage when it comes to visualization and imagery exercises, especially when it comes to both, I would say, you know, performing arts, but also on our physical performance. And so what they, what they found is that if you are going to close your eyes and visualize you doing something uh, physical, saying it's going through a particular routine, or if you're an athlete, a particular skill, and you utilize all of your senses in order to do that. And what I mean by that is you picture what is it feeling like outside? Is it hot? Is it cold? 
What does the ground feel like that your feet are on? Are you wearing cleats? Are you on grass or are you on turf? Are you in the gym? What does that look, smell, feel, taste, touch, all those things? And when you do that and you are actually seeing yourself uh, you know, perform that act, what they found is your brain synapses are firing uh, both in the same sequence and your muscles are firing as if you were performing that exercise for real. And so what visualization is in a nutshell is, is providing you the opportunity to get mental reps of that routine so that you can optimize your performance when it's for real. So when you're doing it for real, it's not your first time doing it. You've already kind of seen yourself doing it over time. I love that. I love the mental reps. And I feel like fit pros especially are like, yes, give me a word I can relate to. It's mental reps. It's mental repetition training. And I used to teach sports psychology to college students when I lived in Illinois. And we did a lot of visualization and imagery. And I used to have my students practice exercises with one another to get away from that feeling of this feels weird, but it's just the same way that we teach about concentration and teaching about not letting the crowds get into your headspace when you're playing a game. And so I love that visualization. And it's, it's, it's really, if you think about visualization, it comes from so many different disciplines from the world of yoga and mind body exercises to athletes. There's so much carryover and crossover in disciplines that we don't even realize, <clears throat> like you said, how long visualization has been around. Yeah, if I could just give your audience, you know, very simple, and this could be applied, you know, regardless of what sport or uh, area of the fitness industry that you're in. Um, so I like to call it kind of the MVP model. One is, you know, if you incorporate some mindful breathing into it, I'm sure everyone out there, you know, is familiar with, uh, you know, both yoga and meditation, but that mindful breathing of, you know, taking some deep breaths, inhaling through your nose, pausing at the top and exhaling out through your mouth. Um, and doing that consistently. Number number two is the V, is the visualization part, which is after you do some mindful breathing, I, I usually prefer my athletes to do about five full breaths, is to visualize whatever act that they're going to be performing, but again, utilizing all the senses as though it's happening to them in real time, right? And sometimes that can be a challenge for athletes. We can talk about some tips and techniques on, on specifically what they're visualizing. And then once you've done that and spent some kind of quiet time, end with a positive phrase, right? Or some type of mantra that is going to condition yourselves. The way I like to articulate it to my athletes is, um, if you're familiar with uh, the, you know, the research of Pavlov's dogs, where every time he rang a bell, you know, his, he would feed his dogs. Well, over time, you know, his dogs would just respond to the sound of the bell and they would start to salivate as though they were gonna get food, even if there wasn't any food available. So I like to end on that positive phrase in order for you to kind of condition yourself. It's go time. Last thing I'll say is, it, you know, and maybe some of your audience kind of recognizes this if they are both coaching, but also in themselves, where it's sometimes difficult for us to transition from the monitor world, you know, the, the virtual world, or even if you're in school, to transition from that to being an elite trainer or fitness pro or athlete. And so this is a technique that I do as a pre-competition, pre-game uh, pre routine, if you will, in order to get people focused. And what it really does, it gets, it gets you present, which is what we want. Okay. I love that. So you said MVP and I got the mindful breathing, the visualization. And what's the P? Is the P present? Positive phrase. Positive. It's, that it's that conditioning, um, you know, come up with a phrase that's going to be meaningful to you. Um, but every time you do one of these visualizations, if you end on that, 
It's almost like you're conditioning yourself to turn it on, right? Yeah. Um, and teams really like this as well, because if you ask any coach, like what are the worst 10 or 15 minutes of a practice? It's, uh, it's the beginning. <laughs> and so this is a great exercise that you can do as a team, you can do as an individual, but it'll get you locked and loaded and focused to perform at your highest level. Okay, I love it. And again, there's so much crossover and carryover from yoga. I teach mindfulness and meditation. Um, so there's so much crossover and carryover. That positive phrase reminds me of telling people to set intentions. There's so much power in mindset. There's so much power in saying things like I'm doing the best I can or I've got this. Um, just a positive phrase along with a positive visualization and, and mindset is everything. And so I love that. Um, Brian, you had mentioned to me at the before we came on air that you were thinking on doing a vision visualization and we were going to step outside of the norm here and see what do you think are you ready to pull out the thumb activity for that visualization let's do it angie so this Mic is drop. let's go <laughs> all right so first off I, I think we should put out the qualifier to the folks at home uh if you're driving a car uh, this is not something you need, you know, if you're doing anything physical or requires your attention and full focus, don't do this, but make sure you do this at the end. But if you're sitting at home or you're, uh, you're on the couch, go ahead and go and stand up. And what we're going to do, this is called the thumb exercise. And so what I need everybody to do is I need everybody to stand straight up and have enough room that when you swing your arms around, you're not going to hit anything behind you. What I want everybody to do is I want you to stand shoulder width apart. And you're going to envision that your feet are now in cement. They're not going to move for the entire visualization. So what I want everybody to do with your feet shoulder width apart and in cement, I want you to raise your right arm parallel straight out in front of you. And I want you to stick out your thumb. So you're giving the thumbs up sign. Now what I want you to do is I want you to slowly but surely rotate your body to the right. So you're still keeping your arm parallel. And I want you to go to the back of the room as far as you can go. Keep rotating until you can't go any further. And then I want you to look past your thumb on a mark on the wall to kind of visualize where that thumb is on the wall. And I want you to memorize that spot. Once you've memorized that spot on the wall, I want you to rotate back around to the front, nice, slowly, but surely. I want you to go ahead and then lower your arm. All right, that's iteration number one. Iteration number two, we are going to close our eyes and we're gonna visualize doing that, but we're not gonna move any body parts. So again, your feet should still be shoulder width apart. Your arms are at your side. You're just gonna to listen to me. You're gonna envision that you have a GoPro on your head. And what you're going to do is you're gonna visualize doing all those acts and just follow my instructions. So without moving any body parts, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to visualize, don't raise your arm, but visualize raising your right arm. Visualize looking at your thumb. Those details of the thumb, the nail, the nail bed, the wrinkles around the knuckle. What I want you to do is I want you to visualize rotating your upper body around to the right, just like we did. So you're going and rotating all the way back to the back of the room. So you hit that first spot where you initially couldn't go any further, except I want you to visualize going past that spot, another six inches. And then I want you to visualize looking at that new spot on the wall where you've exceeded that mark and memorize that spot and then visualize coming back around to the front and visualize lowering your arm and go ahead and open your eyes. Now we're gonna do that one last time, okay? So everybody out there, now we're gonna do it for reals, right? So you're gonna raise your right arm again, parallel to your body out right out front and raise your right thumb. Look at those details of that thumb again, the nail, the nail bed, the wrinkles around the knuckle. 
What I want you to do now is I want you to rotate back around just like we did the first two times. I want you to go all the way to the back of the room and see if you can exceed where you went the first time and keep going another six inches. Can you go even further than that? And then once you've exceeded it, come all the way back around to the front slowly but surely and go ahead and take a seat. And hopefully nobody has uh, any shoulder issues or did anything there. So Angie, I saw that you stood up and were able to do it. My question for you is, were you able to exceed the first time that you went around? I absolutely was. And I thought that was kind of cool because, especially because, you know, I know my room so well that I'm like, oh yes, I can make it to the windows. And, uh, oh yes, I can make it to where the closet is. And it's funny because there's other nuances that go along with it. Then the windows behind me are windows from my mom's house and my mom has passed. And so the windows have a lot of symbolism. And my mom is always kind of like my guideposts for anything that I do, my strength, my rock. So, um, that's really cool. How how um, that came into play too. So I don't know if that's part of it, but I loved it. So first off, that's super symbolic and meaning. And obviously that gives it new meaning now to see those windows behind you. So um, I think that's awesome. So the question for you is if you were able to go past the first, actually, let me go back to the first question, which is, do you remember what my instructions were to you the first time? How far did I tell you to go back? As far as I could. As far as you could. And yet after that visualization, you were able to exceed that. My question for you is why? Why do you think that is? Because you pushed me past my own perceived limits. You, you requested that I pull something from within and go even further than I thought that I could. Yeah. I, I mean, I, to me, if there's any like physical exercise that is a manifestation of overcoming our own self-imposed you know, limitations, it is that exercise. Because in the beginning, if you go back and listen to the instructions, I said, go back as far as you can go. And yet we are in our comfort zone in that situation. And right. And maybe you didn't want to look like a try hard in front of uh, the NASM audience to, to go past that. But after a visualization, it was almost like, A, you were intentional about going past it. B, I almost gave you permission to go past it. And so you were able to do that. Now, look, this is a stupid thumb exercise. However, I will tell you that where else are you putting self-imposed limitations on yourself beyond the thumb exercise? Is it in your professional life? Is it in your personal life? Is it in your physical fitness training? There's lots of places for it. There's lots of applications for it. Yeah, I absolutely love that. You know, it's it's funny how right away that came to me when you said, I only went as far as what I, I, I deemed that I could go. But the minute you pushed me past my perceived limits, automatically I realized that there was so much further that I could go. And isn't that the whole idea of coaching in general is pushing us past our perceived limits? And sometimes just those little exercises, that's something that a trainer can use with their client. They can use that simple thumb visualization to say, that's what this is all about is pushing past wherever you perceive your limits to be and how powerful that is. Because if your mind can get there, your body can get there. This is something I think your audience can totally relate to, which is when we like ask yourself, how do you build muscle, right? And, and the way we build muscles, we get uncomfortable. We put such a load on our bodies that at the micro level, and you know this better than I do, I'm, so I'm, this is where my imposter syndrome is kicking in. But when you put such a load and, and, and lift your muscles to muscle failure, you know, at the micro level, you're kind of making those micro tears in your, in your fibers. But what we know from lifting weights is if you give yourself proper rest, recovery, and nutrition, 
those muscle fibers are actually going to grow back stronger than they were before. Now, the analogy to this is we have to, in order to perform at our best and to grow, the growth occurs in the uncomfort, right? And, and so when we have these self-imposed limitations that are keeping us from these opportunities, we have to find ways to kind of overcome them, fight through, and to get uncomfortable because we know that after a while, we're going to be stronger than we were before. I, I don't know if that made any sense, but hopefully it did to some of your audience. You know what? It absolutely did. It really comes into recognizing. It went back to the beginning when you said you have to recognize where those barriers are and able to be in order to be able to overcome them. If we're not honest with ourselves about where we're holding ourselves back, we're not going to be able to get past that those self-imposed limits. We really have to recognize what is it? What am I telling myself that's holding me back? So I love that, Brian. So that's what we're doing. We did our first mental skills training. We talked about visualization and imagery. Again, I taught this with college students. This is pulls from sports psychology, pulls from yoga, meditation, all these different disciplines that we can come together. And for most everyone now, a little bit of visualization and imagery is is in most people's is in most people's space, right, Brian? It's like you said when we first started talking about it, it seemed very woo-hooey, and now it seems to be everyday talk because it has a lot to do with intention setting which is something that is out there in the everyday speak now is setting your powerful intentions for the day. Yeah, there is not a top performer when it comes to the athletic world. And I would also argue the business world right now that is not incorporating some of these mental skills in order to, to make them better, uh, w without a doubt. Yep, absolutely. So in the second thing that we said that we were going to talk about with mental skills training was we were going to talk about that self-talk. And again, I'm talking to Dr. Brian Price and he owns Top Mental Game. He does all this work on mindset, growth mindset and getting over these self-imposed limits. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about imposter syndrome. If you missed it, I hope you listened because it was really worth a listen. But we did a little bit of deep diving into self-talk then. And so we're going to kind of touch on it a little bit here because I really want to get to the whole growth mindset thing. But Brian, I'll tell you something and I'll, I'll tell the NASM audience and Apple audience here is when I think about self-talk, I think that what Brian and I said last time was first and foremost, tap into what your self-talk is. So that means literally journaling, whether you journal on your phone, you know, in the notes on your phone and you write down what are the messages that your mind tells you every day. And, and you'd be surprised at the messages that your mind tells you, how much other people resonate with those. So the, what are the messages, that negative narrative or that internal dialogue that plays over and over again? I call it the song on the radio that won't stop playing, right? Um, and so what are those negative messages? We have to claim them to tame them. We have to figure out what they are. And then, Brian, before you deep dive into self-talk, I want to share something that I've shared before on podcasts, and that is from um, a counseling theory called acceptance and commitment therapy. And Stephen Hayes talks about how, let's say that we call ourselves anxious. Well, I'm just anxious or I'm depressed, or um, I'm not good at that, or whatever it might be. It's to own that narrative and then to sit with it and say, okay, um, I hear that I'm calling myself anxious again, but what if I put a barrier between me and that label? And what if I say I'm noticing that I'm experiencing anxious thoughts? or I'm recognizing that my body is feeling a little tense right now. So in other words, I'm not labeling myself. I'm not walking around with a big t-shirt that says I'm anxious. I'm just noticing that right now I'm having some anxious thoughts. 
So it puts a little space and distance between me and my self-imposed limitation. What do you think of that? Yeah, I love that because it's increasing the awareness of what we're saying to ourselves. And in some cases, it's okay to give yourself a little grace when it comes to, to, to those types of things. I think, you know, when we talk about self-talk, um, it is a self-preservation uh, tool that we use, right? I mean, you know, researchers have shown that we have up between 60 and 90,000 individual thoughts going through our heads per day. Uh, up to 80% of those thoughts can sometimes be negative in order to kind of keep us alive. Our brains want to keep us alive. And so they're constantly on the lookout for threats. And up to 95% of those negative thoughts can be repetitive. And so it's the same things that you're saying over and over. I have one quick exercise that, you know, folks at home can can do that I think is, is really powerful. It's been powerful with my uh, athletes and business leaders. So it is to come up with like, what are those one or two nasty things that you consistently find yourself saying when you fail at something, you know, maybe it's, uh, I suck, uh, you know, experiencing, I, I suck under pressure or I stink at whatever. And this is a good segue into growth mindset, mind you write those down and then go find someone that you care about a spouse, brother, sister, mother, daughter, colleague, and then say those exact things, but tell the person that they are those things. So if I wrote down, I stink under pressure, change the conversation. So when you say it to the other person, you say, you, uh, Angie, you stink under pressure. And it does something weird to us because we would not say that to someone that we love or care about. And yet, how often are we saying those things to ourselves? And then the rhetorical question is, do you think it's helping our performance or hurting our performance? And we all know the answer to that. I love that because I always say, would you say that to your best friend? Would you say that to your mom? And uh, I love that you actually put it into action and actually pretend that you're going to say that because not only are you going to, you know, how to win friends and what is that book? How to whatever influ influence people. Yep. <laughs> Win friends and influence people. That's right. Yes, thank you. But it, that's exactly right. These are not the kind of things that you would say to other people. So why would you say them to yourself? And it's just kind of owning that. And then again, putting that distance between it. We can notice that we're experiencing anxious thoughts. That doesn't mean that we are pervasively anxious or that we have to have that big label. And um, and it does help to notice, would I say this to somebody else? And if I wouldn't, then why is it okay to say it to myself? AKA, it's not, right? Correct. So um, before we move on, then, is there any last thing you want to say about self-talk? Because I'm just I'm jazzing to get your growth mindset. <laughs> so this might be a good, a good segue into mindset, because we have to ask ourselves, like, where does the opposite of a growth mindset uh, come up with? And that's a fixed mindset. And so when we talk about, you know, growth mindset, by the way, um, I, I know that you're a fan of Carol Dweck's book, Mindset. For those of you that haven't read it, it is fantastic. It's applicable across a number of different professions. But it's essentially she's trying to draw the distinction between, uh, you know, these two different types of mindsets and how they affect our ultimate long term performance and our ability to learn. And so she breaks these up into fixed versus growth. And on the fixed mindset, this is where self-talk comes into play, which is if you've ever said things like, I'm not good enough to go after that promotion or I'm not, I'm not pretty enough to ask that girl out or, you know, handsome enough and then to ask that girl or pretty enough to ask that guy out. It, you know, it, it's, it's those types of uh, fixed mindset things that prevent us from acting and achieving our ultimate performance. So if we can learn how to tweak our language a little bit, it doesn't have to be kind of wholesale changes. I'll give you one good example. 
when I was uh, in high school and college, I had a fixed mindset. And by the way, we all have fixed mindset about something about learning languages. And my, my thing was, I stink at learning languages. I suck at learning languages. Well, how do you think that, you know, it affected my level, levels of motivation, uh, my ability to study and those sorts of things. So to tweak that self-talk, instead of saying that, whatever you have a fixed mindset about, uh, change it to, I currently struggle with, but with time, practice and effort, I can get better. And this is, you know, whether you say I stink at public speaking. Well, don't say I stink at public speaking because then you're just going to have a fixed mindset about that. Tweak it to I currently struggle with public speaking, but with proper coaching time, effort and practice, I can get better. It's going to make a world of difference. I know it sounds subtle, but it's true. You know what it really is. And um, here's the deal. I'm working on a podcast where I'm going to talk about fixed versus flexible mindset, because actually I love Carol Dweck's book on mindset. And I absolutely think it is worth bringing a whole episode, a whole podcast just about this, because you described it perfectly. A fixed mindset is like it's either this way or it's this way. There's no middle of the road. Um, and I always say flexibility is your friend, rigidity is not. And so a flexible mindset says, you know what, this is the way it is up until now, but it could be a different way. There is possibility. Whenever a client says to me, well, I'm just not good at this, or I can't do that, then I just say, well, you know, up until now, up until today when you just invited it into this space and now I'm seeing nothing but opportunity and possibility because obviously there's there's lots of room to grow from here. So um, the other thing that I learned years ago was I used to always say, you know, I suck at, at learning names. And a gentleman that was speaking said, instead of saying that very much what you just said, Brian, is to say, um, what was your name again? I'm trying to get really good at learning names or I'm, I'm working on getting really good at learning names. And so instead of saying that opposite thing, and it, it's such a simple nuance, but it's really, really powerful. I, I, I love that, um, that that response to that because it it, it changes it. It provides a, a window of opportunity for the person. You know, I'm not going to feel sorry for you, but you're trying to get better at something. And I think um, when, you, uh, when you take a look at the self-talk component, another piece that showed up in her book, and I know you're going to have a whole uh, series on this, and you probably you could have a whole season on on growth mindset is the power of saying not yet after you fail, right? And one of the components of uh, a growth mindset, in my opinion, is seeing feedback as a gift as opposed to a, a terminal sentence. So if you fail at something or you get some critical feedback from somebody uh, that you don't internalize that and then quit on whatever endeavor you're working on, but in order to kind of change that into a, a not yet mentality. So if you, you, you try to get a promotion at work or uh, you tried to open up a gym and it, you know, COVID kind of derailed you and you had to close. Well, instead of internalizing that failure, say not yet. You know, oh. I, I, it's 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 a powerful t two words, but it can it can really make a world of difference. I love that. You know, it's an it's an interesting thing. You know, it, it's just like when if somebody says I can't, well, you can't because there really isn't anywhere to go from there. But um, I haven't been able to up until now. This is the way it is up until today. But not yet is perfect. Um, you know, my husband was a, a high school athlete. He played tennis and he had a really, really bad match. And uh, he tells the story that basically he. <laughs> 
he threw his tennis racket down and was like done with tennis from that day forward. It was like a big match and he gave it up. And I was like, that to me is the epitome of a fixed mindset of I'm done. I've hit my limit. And so the other day we took a pickleball for the first time. And uh, of course, he's an excellent pickleball player, even though he's never played because he's so used to playing that kind of racket sport. And of course, I was a hot mess out there. But I have a very flexible mindset. You have to when it doesn't come naturally. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not good yet, but I will be. And so that that is a perfect example of that fixed versus flexible thinking. And we have to have that if we are going to survive and thrive in this world, whether it is in the gym or whether it's in our relationships. Again, rigidity is not our friend. A flexible mindset means that we just know that we haven't been able to accomplish something up until this day. It doesn't mean that it's not possible. And I think it's it's in us at some like deep level. So, you know, one of the things that I, I ask my clients or the folks that I work with to think about is to have like the naivety of a child and think about a, a baby learning to walk. You know, that is the epitome of a growth mindset, right? Because how many times do they fall down? You know, it, it's not natural to them, but they keep at it. There's never been a baby that's like, you know, forget it. Uh, this walking thing is not for me. I'm not a walker. <laughs> right. So uh, it's, to me, I think like uh, approaching it, uh, you know, as a uh, as a the naivety of a child of, look, I'm here to learn and I'm going to get better. And I don't care how dumb I look or foolish I look, because this is a this is one step in a in a, in a staircase of uh, of improvement. I love that. The naivety of a child. I absolutely love that. And also the tenacity. You know, infants don't even have it in their mental space to be embarrassed or to worry about what other people are thinking. And you're right. They don't just hang their shingle and that, ah, that walking thing's not for me, carrying me everywhere I go. Um, that's just not an option. And I think that not an option is a good way for all of us to think. It's not an option to give up. It's not an option to say, well, this is the way it is because it's the way it is up until right now. And I think tying all this stuff together, particularly for, uh, you know, fitness professionals, is that fear of vulnerability and looking foolish. Yes. But what I will tell you, though, is and maybe you can relate to this, Angie, some of my most popular, uh, you know, posts, and I'm not saying to do this because it would be popular, but some of the most popular social media posts that I put out there are the ones where I'm either showing my failure, uh, showing my vulnerability. And just I think one of the things that the the imposter syndrome show resonated with your audience is because we all feel it. We all we're all there. And when you I think we have this fearful thing of the imposter syndrome where we have to in this Instagram world be perfect. But oftentimes letting down our proverbial hair and showing people how we really are can be like both good for your cathartic for yourself, but also powerful for your business as well, because I think people relate to that. Oh my gosh, that was perfectly, that was perfectly said. It's funny because my husband took a video of me running after the ball. The guy who was teaching us pickleball was like, you're too quick. You want to go after the ball. You don't let the ball come to you. And I'm like, that's right. I'm always in a hurry. And uh, it's me going after the ball. 
all just being off in another direction. And so that that's absolutely perfect. I love that. That was actually a great way to kind of end this and, and uh, tie this all together. So again, thank you, Dr. Brian Price. Thank you for talking about um, mindset. Thank you for talking about self-imposed limits and how we can use mental skills training from visualization and imagery to self-talk to a growth mindset. Because one of the biggest things that I see in the world of mental health and in the world of fitness is the difference between a fixed and a flexible mindset and how far people can go with a flexible mindset, how far they can take themselves in this world, in the gym and outside of the gym. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you to all of our NASM and APA family, and we will see you next time. Mm -hmm.